are now listening to the Book Idea to Execution podcast. We help aspiring authors and entrepreneurs take their book idea to execution effectively through strategies, tips, and applying pressure, all while helping you establish and continue your legacy. Please welcome your host, Michael Benjamin. Great. Welcome to a new episode of the Book Idea to Execution podcast, aka Byte, where we are about applying pressure and helping you meet your writing needs. Today is a special episode. Today's a special episode. I have a special guest today. Um, he's not the first. He's not the second. Not <laughs> one, not two, not three. I got Before. Kyler Nathan, <laughs> the fourth. <laughs> so I'm going to read his bio and then we're going to get straight into it. So Kyler Nathan IV is from Los Angeles, California. He graduated from the University of California, San Diego in 2017 with a bachelor's of science degree in cognitive science with a specialization in human cognition, as well as a minor in African-American studies and is currently pursuing his MBA at Rady School of Management. Very accomplished. To date, he has published four poetry books, Five South, Peace of Mind, Beneath um, the Surface and Obsidian, and one ebook project, Champion. He got five of them out there. Um, his writings are inspired by his journey growing up as a black male, slowly learning who the world has destined him to be. The books span his growth and development from a brokenhearted high schooler trying to fit in the world to a college graduate making the world fit into his visions. His work challenges normative ways of thinking by encouraging the reader to dig deeper into every emotion they feel, and more importantly, every thought that they think. He sees his art as a platform for conversations with the reader, constantly encouraging those who delve into his poetic mind to embrace their curiosity. He takes pleasure when people question his thought processes behind what he's created as a confirmation of the reader's attention to detail. I've definitely texted him about some of his stuff. <laughs> Kyler's motto is that he is just a guy as a subtle reminder that he aims to just be himself, never reaching to be better than. He views his successes at checkpoints rather than finish lines and hopes people revere his journeys more than his accomplishments. We got Kyler Nathan the fourth in the building. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Who wrote that bio? That was beautiful. Hey, man. Fire, <laughs> man. Fire. I damn near wanted to take credit for it. <laughs> uh, I was Sorry, listening man. to it. I was like, wait, I wrote that? That's some heat. Hey, man. That was some heat, man. I almost stole credit. But yeah, man, I appreciate you. I've been on the podcast. I'm happy I know to be you're here. Busy. Yeah, I know you'd be busy writing all these books. Um, I've read four of your books. I'm currently, you know, in the process of champion. So I look forward to finishing that. Um, first of all, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. It's Friday. Um, yeah, I just I feel like during this pandemic, I've been trying to look more at the positive side of things. And yeah, the work week was stressful. Yeah, like things are going on in the world. But personally, like, I've really been looking forward to chopping up with you today. I got to talk with an old mentor earlier today. And yes, yeah, the weekend, I'm just ready to relax, but also continue on this self-discovery slash growth journey. I got a lot of projects I'm working on. And yeah, I'm feeling good. How are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm blessed. I appreciate you asking. I've, I've been um, excited for the interview as well. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing where it goes. And I'm, I'm going to be transparent. I didn't come up with um a title for the episode i was thinking about coming up with something so we just gonna figure it out yeah it'll come out of the episode yeah yeah, definitely definitely how's how's your week though like any small big wins anything 
Um, yeah, this week has been filled with wins in my book. I, for the, the those of y'all who are listening, I work as an advisor at UC San Diego and just um, meeting with students is just something that does bring me joy. And this week, I've had a lot of meetings with students, just helping them on their journeys, um, just taking the time to listen to them. I feel like especially during this time while we're in a remote setting and disconnected from so many people, just taking like 10 minutes out of my day to really make sure a student understands like how they're navigating their time at UC San Diego. That brings me a lot of joy. So had a lot of those types of meetings this week. Um, I recently got news of a new job that I'll be starting in a couple of weeks. So that's very exciting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, And yeah, just some small wins. I've been trying to get more into like animation and graphic design. And so this week I've spent a lot of time each day uh, just working on my talent on top of like my writing abilities. I'm trying to become more of a visual artist too, just to help with my book covers in the future and just marketing in general. So just a lot of little wins of minor improvements, but for major impacts in the long run. Mm, facts, facts. A multi-talented king. We love to hear it. We love it. <laughs> I love it, man. All right. So, all right. So how do we start this? Let's get into it. So I guess give my listeners, um, just let us know who you are. Like, where'd you grow up? We mentioned um, LA, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, just give us a story about, you know, you. Let us know who you are. Yeah. So, um who am I? That's I feel like that's such a tough question to ask a poet because I <laughs> hey, I've written poems about who am I? I've tried to figure that out for myself. So I feel like every time I answer, I'm like, am I willing to put this on record that this is who I am today? Um, yeah. But I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in for the sake of this podcast i'm gonna say near inglewood but my address is los angeles california i'm not one of those people who grew up in the san fernando valley or just anywhere Mm -hmm. but la claiming no i'm from la um so i just want to make sure that that's clear for the viewing audience in case anyone from la hearing this like oh he ain't from la yeah (laughs) um but yeah i grew up in like the south central los angeles area um live with my dad for most of my life i have an older brother um my mom and my stepdad are really big in my life. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So family is something that's very important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because even as a young person, I wasn't just at my dad's house or just at my mom's house. I was going all around talking to grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins. Um, I don't have a humongous family, but I feel like I have a family that spreads pretty widely. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, family is something that's very important to me. I grew up in LA and then moved to Torrance for high school. I went to Bishop Montgomery High School in Torrance, California, which is a Catholic private high school in Torrance, which is a suburb area of Los Angeles. And so for most of my life, I had a lot of private schooling and I was in religious schools for the first part of my life. And then just transitioning to UC San Diego was actually the first time I was ever in a public school environment, believe it or not. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So imagine going to college as a black male from South Central L.A. in La Jolla at a public school after going to private school for 17 years or not exactly 17, but for most of my life. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like where I'm from and my education background. Um, other things about kind of my upbringing, I'm a huge Lakers fan, the 2020 NBA champions, the most championships yes, in the National Basketball Association. I uh, just yes, want to make sure that's on record that the Lakers have yes, the sir. most championships in the National Basketball Association. 
Um, and I think that's something that's very, anybody who knows me, whether they met me in middle school, high school, college, after college, everybody knows I'm a Lakers fan. And I think mm-hmm. that's um, part of who I am. Like, I'm really passionate about who I am and what parts of me I let people into. So like mm-hmm. when I started becoming a poet, that was a big step in my journey because I typically kept a lot of who I was just to myself or to my trusted friends because I've been writing poetry since I was like 15, but I didn't come up with, I didn't come out with Five South, my first poetry book until 2017 when I was 21. So that's just a testament to like, I was already doing a lot of this work. I just didn't even think I could write a poetry book. Like I didn't know that that was something I was capable of doing. So I would just write them and share them to my friends. But yeah, I've been writing a poetry. My dad is a poet. He has, ooh, I don't even, I think he has like five or six poetry books. Uh, my grandparents write and do art. So I think it's always been in my blood. I just never was able to truly see my light in order to um, write poems until I, yeah, I was just, people kept telling me I was good. I was like, well, if I'm this damn good, then I guess I need to like sell this book and stop giving people all this free knowledge that they not listen to. Let me at mm-hmm. least profit from it. Um mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a tangent around like, who am I? But I don't know, I feel like there's just so many parts to who I am, being a Lakers fan is one, being a poet is one, um, Mm -hmm. being an introvert is one, because I feel like there's a big stigma on introverted people that we're not the type that like to have fun or like, I don't know, it's it's a weird stigma if you ask me, if you just take the time to really look up the definition of introversion, uh, there'll be a lot of free information out there, but yeah, I, I think that's something I owned as part of me in college. So I wasn't trying to really be super outgoing in college, but just really build and reflect on who I was. Because as you know, graduated from UCSD, like you learn a lot. <laughs> you learn about yeah, blackness, okay. about class, about race, gender, all of that. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the last thing I'll say about who I am. I'm a learner. Like I love learning. I love hearing from people who are doing stuff that I haven't done um Mm -hmm. just because i feel like there's a lot of knowledge out there and there's just no way we as people can have like an experience that is 100 percent unique like there's someone who's been down some of the pathways we've gone down so it's important to like share and like build through community and so like community is really important to me as well Mm, definitely 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 you you dropped a couple things there that i want to unpack so one gem that you dropped was the fact that you've been writing since you were 15, but it took you until 21 because you were trying to figure out mm-hmm. the whole process. I just wanted to touch on the fact of, that goes back to the theme of why we're here, why you know I'm interviewing you, why I'm interviewing a bunch of um, uh, black people that are, you know, are authors as well, because it's some kids out there that's going to listen to our interview, mm-hmm. different interviews, interview with Latasha or whatever, you know, it's going to be young black girls listening to the interview with Latasha. They're going to get inspired. So the podcast interview is really, really important. So I, I definitely um, like that you brought that point up because the kid that could be in your position right now, if they listen to the podcast, you know, they're going to be like, oh, wow, right. there's two black men, they both published. Like, you know, proof is so, so important. So important in that representation. Yeah. Representation, facts, facts. And then um, in terms of the whole introvert thing, it's funny because just also going with the Lakers thing, because I remember um, like how we met. I randomly DM'd because you were yep. black. I and forget. I saw. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember I noticed I saw like the Lakers stuff. So it's like 
you know, like you, you've been 100 about, you know, the Lakers since day one. I saw a Lakers fan. I was like, okay, cool. You know, Kobe was just like everybody, rest in peace. You know, it's like everybody's hero and stuff. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really, I thought that was really dope. So, um, also I got, I got one of your dad's books as well. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. So I guess just transitioning. This is the bite podcast. So we're going to go on a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're essentially going to go from book idea to actual execution, book idea to execution. You shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? But um, <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Um, so when you were 15, was that when you figured out you wanted to be published? Or when did you actually figure out you wanted to be published? I know you were writing at 15, but did it click like, oh, I want to actually publish? Was it 21? It or? was It was 21, yeah. Um, I was working in undergraduate admissions at the time, and I was in Oakland, California. I live in San Diego. Um, and I was just sitting at the airport waiting on my flight, and the flight was delayed, so I was talking to my dad about his poetry book because I was like, yeah, man, I have, like, 200 poems on my phone, like, but I'm also broke. I should write a poetry book. My dad has written poetry books. Let me talk to him. And so I was just talking to him and I was just asking what he did, kind of like what you're doing with me and with this podcast. And that's why I really vibe with your vision because he was Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I just went on this website and it did most of it for me. I just had to write the book. I was like, oh, that's it. (laughs) Like I have poems. I just don't have a book. That's easy. Um, So yeah, while I was sitting in the airport, I was just looking through, the notes on my phone and was just looking at the different poems, trying to see if there were any themes in there. And I'll be honest, there wasn't anything that really tied it together as like a cohesive theme, except for the fact that they were all poems that I had written uh, between when I was 15 and up until I graduated from college. So I just was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like, let's just dive in and see what comes out of it, which is so like beyond my character because I never just dive into things without thinking through them very thoroughly. But I just decided Mm. that in that moment, if I really wanted to challenge myself as a fresh first generation college grad who needs to pay off student loans in a couple months without like a full like secure, like I had a job, but I just knew that I needed more income in order to not be in debt for the rest of my life because I didn't want to be like Mm. broken down with my debt. So, um, Mm-hmm. I just started compiling poems and this kind of gets into the second part. So I won't talk too much about the actual process of it, but that was the idea was just like hearing from my dad, how simple it was for him to write like five books at the time. And it was just motivating to mm-hmm. me like, well, hell, if my dad could do this, I can for sure do this. And I think that's kind of one of the main things I wanted to talk about with you on this podcast was a big part that I feel is misunderstood about authors is I think people sometimes too often think people are writing poetry books to make money, which like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. people sell things to make money, but writing the book wasn't about necessarily just income. The income was a part of it, but I really felt like the poems that I had written was written during a time where I'll be quite frank with y'all and the listeners on the podcast. I was depressed. Like I was going through Mm. some shit and I was like, yo, like there has to be someone else who just graduated from UCSD who at least went through some of what I was going through mentally. And so I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that to my own comfort level, I was able to share some of the poems that I was writing when I was stressed out in class or when I was realizing what it meant to be the only black person in my class or what it is like to be heartbroken. Like, I think these are all things that we all experience in some facet or some modality in our life. Uh, these are all mm-hmm. things that affect us as human beings first and foremost. But I feel like there's this, I don't know what to call it, but 
people don't feel comf- as comfortable as I feel like they should just sharing some of the downfalls as much as the victories. Cause I think it's important to learn from where people messed up, but also where they succeeded. And I feel like I was surrounded by a lot of people who probably went through some type of depression, but acted like they didn't. And I was like, nah, like I want to be the type of person who is like doing a damn thing, but nah, bro, like it came out of depression. Let's not get it twisted. Like I was in the dumps, but I decided I wanted to share my story so that, like you said, like maybe there's someone who's going to be listening to this podcast, 15 years old, going through something that they going through. And they're like, man, like, let me write about this. And I feel like, especially as black males, because what are we told when we grow up? Like, oh, like, man up, like, do this. Go to the gym, play basketball. Like, cool, bro, but manning up isn't going to get over what I'm getting. Like, that's not doing anything for me right now. Definitely. Facts. But yeah, that's 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 where I think I would summarize the, at least the book idea for Five South. The other four for sure, I'm not sure if we want to get into the other four just yet, but the other four for sure were more thought out ideas to execution, but Five South was kind of just on a whim. Okay. Okay, definitely. And you said something deep again, because um, if y'all listening, if y'all listen to, well, you probably did if you listen to the episode where I interviewed Latasha. She was also talking about the whole her book came out of mm-hmm. um, depression. So oftentimes the book can come out of, you know, something you're dealing with. And this is why I talk to my clients and I try to tell them, don't be selfish in the sense that you have information that the world needs, right? Because somebody can go through something, pick up your book, read it. It helps um, mm-hmm. their situation. Your book in particular, I want to talk about peace of mind. Peace of mind in particular. I forgot what poem it was in particular, but it really helped me look inside myself. And the poem wasn't even about me. So it just goes to tell you, it goes to show you how powerful words can be. And um, as y'all are listening, if you're on the fence, just publish the damn book. Somebody needs needs your damn book. Just do it. This is why, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, put the vision out there for people to you know be inspired and take action because i mean i'm we're essentially trying to reach a knockout you know we're just doing different jabs and eventually you know they're gonna make that um knockout so obviously your dad published before you are you like the second one to publish a book in your family Uh, at least to my knowledge i'm sure there might be some books like maybe in the drafts in my family but my dad's the only one that i know of that went through with the publication of it Okay, perfect. You see, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about proof, because once you see that it's mm-hmm. possible, you know, it's, it's crazy. So that's why I really like um, mentorship. I'm really glad your dad published and that really allowed you to uh, move forward. So you talked about Five South. Um, we, we could talk about, you know, just if you want to go briefly, just the inspiration between all of your. Yeah. Books. So um <clears throat> Peace of mind, that was born out of me seeing just how well Five South was selling. Like, I will be honest, I did not know how Five South was going to do. Just because, as you know, like, people will talk about supporting you, but not everybody's actually about supporting you. Oh, man. Um, Man, we could do a whole podcast on that. We could do an entire podcast about that, and I know you of all people fully understand that. So I was like, yeah, like, I'll write this poetry book, but I'm honestly only expecting, like, four people that I really, I really trust to really support it. But once I sold, like, more than, like, 20 copies of Five South, I was like, okay, there's at least a small following of people who would buy this book if I put it out there. Um, 
Mm-hmm. That was after I came out with Five South. That was also a point in my life where I was um, going to more open mics in San Diego. So I was able to like, not at, or I guess for lack of a better term, because it sounds kind of narcissistic, but build a fan base. Like there was enough people in San Diego mm-hmm. who had heard my poems and related to my poems. So I was like, all right, I've mm-hmm. written an additional like 30 poems since I came out with Five South. Um, so I might start working on another book. And that was around, I think it came out with Peace of Mind in like May of 2018, um, which was or actually it would have been a little later, I think. But nevertheless, National Poetry Month is April. And so in April 2018, mm-hmm. I was doing the 30 for 30 challenge, which is I highly encourage anyone uh, who's interested in poetry or just interested in improving their writing to take part in the 30 for 30 challenge, which is essentially mm-hmm. for the 30 days in April, you have to write one thing every day in April. Uh, a lot of people do haikus or if they don't know, have an idea for a poem. Some people do free writes, but it's just a writing challenge to write 30 poems in 30 days. And so in 2018 was the mm. first time I really committed to doing it and I did it. So I was like, no, nah, like there's some heat in these poems. So that's when I started writing mm-hmm. Peace of Mind just to kind of solidify who I was as a poet while breaking out of kind of the standard format of a book, I'd say, because as you know from reading Peace of Mind, like there's questions in there, there's writing prompt, there's reflection. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted that was very intentional because I wanted to come up with something different. Because in my eyes, and and just looking at like a business lens, everybody has a not everybody's a book, of course, you know that, but if everybody has a book, what's gonna make my book different? Why should people read my poetry book mm-hmm. as opposed to another poetry book? And that's the brand I was trying to build mm-hmm. a peace of mind. It's like, nah, like I write poems, but that's kind of where the cognitive science came in. Like, nah, like I'd be thinking about this stuff, bro. Like, nah, let's really, let's really dive into what these poems mean. Uh, Beneath the Surface was mm-hmm. another challenge for me because that was more of me letting down the mask a little bit more to some of the poems that for me personally, they were a little more challenging to share in a book because there were things that were really personal to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I was ready to share some of those parts of me. Like, more of the less poetic descriptions of depression or like a less poetic lens of like, what does this mean in my day-to-day life? And so beneath the surface was a Mm -hmm. challenge to myself to just really like, yeah, take off the mask and let people really into who I am. And I wrote that at a time where I was surrounded by a lot of people who were going through their own forms of depression. And because people had told me that Five Mm -hmm. South helped them through some dark times, I was like, nah, like, maybe this is what I need to do. Like I need to share my story to help people get through what they're going through. Even if I don't become this best-selling author, I'll be a best-selling poet to my friends. Like in my opinion, I'm the best poet most people in San Diego know, at least the people I use PSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's not even to be cocky. Like, nah, like I put in work for this poetry stuff. Nobody else at UCSD has five poetry books that they've talked about. Nobody. No mm-hmm. one has brought that up. Fact. No one did flex my expression at UCSD until I did flex my expression. Nah, like I'm, and that's me, like on this podcast, put, like putting up. Nah, I'm, I'm that nigga when it comes to these poetry books. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry if this is a family friendly podcast and I wasn't supposed to say that, but you can edit that out. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, I think I done let it slip a couple <laughs> times, but I mean, it's just yeah, the yeah. reality. So I, you know, I, that's why. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then for Obsidian. Yeah. That's my baby. Uh, Obsidian was a jewel. I uh, that was hard, yeah. Because that was just like, yo, like we're in quarantine, working from home. I might as well like really try to like let me write. I see Obsidian as more of a novel than a poetry book because that's 180 pages of like poems, experiences, like 
I just really wanted to see like how much I could orchestrate a poetry book. And so I feel like Obsidian was like a production and just kind of my moment of, let's see just what you can do with words. And that was a joy to make because as soon as I was um, thinking about what I wanted to do with Obsidian, it just came naturally. I was just pull out my laptop, listen to some earth, wind and fire and just start writing without any prompt. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the stuff in Obsidian, I don't even have on my phone. It's only in Obsidian. Um, like I literally wrote some of that just on those pages without editing it. Um, yeah, crazy, like I, I was, <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, oh no, nah, like I'm talented. I'm just writing this poem just, just because. And then that's where Champion comes mm -hmm. in to kind of close it out with the book idea. That was born because, well, one, inspired by some of what you're doing with your ebook. I was like, man, like, I'm trying to, I need to one up Michael Benjamin with the book sales because he's doing, he doing his stuff <laughs> and he coming out with the ebook. He talking about sustainability. I'm like, nah, let me get on, let me get on the Michael Benjamin level because he got this, he got on me, but I'm going to be there. I'm just not there yet to use your power of yet uh, terminology. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So I was like, nah, let me come out with an ebook. And just see, like, see what what people mentality on, because especially with like the political climate, every day on my timeline, I would see people just like down in the dumps and like really stressed out about what's going on in the world, which is very valid because there is a lot going on in the world. But I still want people to be able to see the joys in their life, not to ignore the stuff that is enjoying their life, but to recognize and celebrate those mm -hmm. parts that deserve to be celebrated. And yeah, I was like, all right, I'm gonna come out with an ebook. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but I'm gonna come out with an ebook. And so this is where I become cocky, kind of stubborn Kyler. I was like, all right, let me see when they even want the book because I wanna see who really about it and who just think I'm this guy who just be writing poems. So I put the question on my story. I was like, all right, when do y'all want the next poetry book? First response was like January 1st or April 1st, whenever the poet has time. I was like, whenever I have time, there's plenty of time, I'm working from home. But then yo ass commented and was like November first. I was like, all right, bet I'm gonna come. I'm gonna finish it before November first, but release it on November first. So you challenged me to expedite the process of the book, and that's what I really. I was like, nah, like I can do this easily. And so that was the idea of Champion, and I personally really love it. It's completely different, but I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm reading um, Champion right now, but I'm also, you know writing my book so i haven't gotten to finishing it yet but um just to go back to obsidian i felt like i read obsidian in like <laughs> two minutes like that book was crazy but um i wanted to take a detour um you know the podcast yeah. be all over the place sometimes so i was thinking about something uh basically i was also one of these people before too and i'm sure you hear this a lot i was one of them people that was talking about i don't mess with mm. uh, poetry books but then it was different. I know your time. You know what I'm saying when I picked up when I picked up when I picked up your book. So how do you feel about that whole notion of people saying I don't mess? With I think it's books. very valid um, because I was that person too. Like I was like, nah, like I'm not really into poetry. Mm. But that's where experience and sharing experiences is important because I wasn't into it really at all. Like I was writing it, but I wasn't in the poetry community. I wasn't going to open mics. I didn't even know like the extent of what poetry was really rocking with until I was going to um, mm -hmm. the African Black Coalition Conference as a Black student at UC, like going to that conference and hearing like some of the keynote performers in their poems, I was like, oh, like that's, those are some words. That's more than just some roses or red violets or blue. Like 
that's talent. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I was an intern at the Black Resource Center on campus, I, myself and one of the other interns, Cambria, uh, we wanted to do an open mic on campus and we were looking at performers for the open mic. And the first person we looked mm-hmm. at was the poet from, uh, one of the poets from ABC. And he was talking about some $1,000. I was like, oh, nah, I'll feature at this before I give somebody $1,000. No, I'm not paying $1,000 for someone to feature at this. I'm a poet. Um, so yeah, we yeah. did Flexin' My Expression. I performed at Flexin. And at Flexin, our keynote speaker brought a friend, Amin Ra, who's a, he's on the, uh, or was on the San Diego National Poetry Slam team that went to nationals and won it. And just seeing and hearing him perform, I was like, oh, nah, like he's moving the crowd. Like there are levels to this. And so from there, I got involved mm-hmm. in like the poetry community in San Diego and started going to open mics. And that's where I was like, okay, there is like, poetry has like a niche in like the world. Like there is like a poetry community. There's a poetry culture. And so from there, I would go to mm-hmm. open mics and hear people's performances. I would go to poetry slams. And I was starting to buy people's chat books. And I was like, oh, wow, like, no, nah, like, there's a lot of talented people in San Diego, but they don't get the mainstream shine because that's the same thing we're talking about with support. And so I think because I mm-hmm. did all of that and had those very specific experiences, on top of having my dad be a poet, it was easy for me to break out of that, like, uh, like I'm not really into poetry. And that's where I had to check myself. I'm like, all right, I'm saying I'm not into poetry, but what poetry have I even tried to get into since high school? Because I feel like my experience mm-hmm. with poetry was just like English class in high school when we were writing poems and analyzing poems. So um, yeah. yeah, just being exposed to dope poets in San Diego, honestly, is what brought me out of it. And to get back to the point of your question, it was like, yeah, I hear people when they say they're not that into poetry, but that's why I had to push books so hard because I'm like, all right, you're not into poetry, I hear you, but are you into me? And that's the question that I need people to answer. Like, you're not into mm. poetry, cool, but do you want to support me? Because that's a f- completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. And it honestly blows my mind how many times the answer to both of them is like, yeah, I don't want to support poetry or you. Like, I ain't buying this book. I'm like, damn, bro, you spent $80 yeah. on some shoes yesterday. <laughs> like, I ain't worth this 20 real quick just to hear me out. Like, dang. But I honestly feel like that's why I continue pushing forward with writing the poems and just uh, bringing out the ebook to make it easier to like get them to people. So for people who, um, mm-hmm. yeah. once they come around to like being quote unquote into poetry books, the books are there for them. And the other part of it, the part that people don't mm-hmm. see, but because I'm trying to support your podcast and just really let down the mask of the entire process, when it comes to like, I'll be having conversations with friends who don't have my poetry book and they're like, man, I'm going through X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you know what, bro? Like, read this book. Like I'll send you this book for free because there's some stuff you're going through that I went through too. And I don't want to like, just tell you mm. what to do, but I do want to share with you how I felt when I was dealing with similar things. And I feel like that's what, um, mm-hmm. that's what creates friendships. That's what creates relationships because we're growing together with the poems mm-hmm. that I've written. And that's how I grew a lot of friendships in San Diego in the poetry community. Cause like, wow, like, you wrote this poem about being a black male and dealing with depression. And I've never heard those words like that. Can we talk about this more? And that's why I want people to have that type of conversation Mm -hmm. with my poetry books, because that's when you start to recognize them as more than just poetry and more of like someone's lived experiences Mm -hmm. that they're putting in an artistic platform for folks. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. man, there's beauty in that. I feel like we're all poets if we look at it a certain way. And that's kind of the reason why most of my poems Mm -hmm. don't rhyme 
Um, I'm really trying to write poetry for people who think they're not into poetry and put it in a facet that makes it mm. easy to understand how you can be into poetry. And I think that's what Obsidian really accomplishes really well, especially with that introduction of really breaking yeah. down how many different ways you could read a poetry book, whether you're just reading it and be like, all right, that was a good poem, reading it and analyzing like the syntax structure. You can read it and then relate it to one of your experiences. You can read it and think about my experiences. There's so many different ways you can engage in literature and that expands all modalities. Mm -hmm. That's how you can look at music. Uh, that's why I like your book, The Power of Yet, so much because I, and I don't even remember if I told you this, but when I was applying to this MBA program, one of the questions they asked in the interview was about books that we read about business or finance. I was like, oh, The Power of Yet by Michael Benjamin. Easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, because, like, oh, well. one, I know they're not about to, like, oh, well, let me go look up this book to see what he's talking about. But either way, like, that's real. Like, I did read The Power of Yet, and that was yeah. impactful in terms of understanding more of how to look at finances. And that was important to me because I wasn't mm -hmm. just reading it as like a book that you wrote and just the story you wrote, but also like, why did Michael Benjamin write this mm -hmm. book? What is he talking about when he's publicizing mm -hmm. this book? Who is he as a person? Like just knowing you mm -hmm. too, that plays a role in how I'm reading the book too. Um, and yeah, there's just yeah. a lot of value in words. And I really like what you say about um, the value of knowledge, like our intellectual property. Uh, because I be on, you mm -hmm. see me, I be on your live. So I see that red pop up. Yeah. Like, all right, I know what Michael be talking about, but just in case he spits some knowledge that I ain't heard yet, let me let me tune in and see what he on. Because you you know stuff that I don't know. If I ever had a question about engineering or something, you're the first person I'm talking to. Facts, yeah, that's true. Sorry, that's that was true. That's true. Tangent too. And then also, oh, oh, no, right. go ahead. I was just saying that was a tangent. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say. Also, I think it's just just going back to support. We don't got to break it down too much, but I think it's dope to support people that you know personally because when we look at a book it's like okay these are his thoughts these are her thoughts and all of that um any of y'all listening that follow me on instagram i have um a highlight reel where it says uh black owned and i i put a lot of i think i have a lot of books there it's, it's probably majority clothes or whatever but i try to support people that i could tangibly reach because it's like i want to see what's in their mind so when you come out with like an obsidian, I'm just like, like, bro, like, how do I pay you? I, I need it because I want to, you know, um, see what's in your mind. And I like the music aspect of obsidian, which was um, really dope as well. But um, I wanted us to mm -hmm. focus on one book. I kind of sound biased towards <laughs> obsidian. But what book do you want to talk about? Just so we could, you know, focus on that one and they can focus on one that they're, they, um. they would purchase. Ooh, that's tough. It's, people always ask me, like, which book to talk about or which one should they buy? I'm like, all of them. Um, let's I <laughs> peace of mind is your favorite, Obsidian is my favorite. So, whichever one of those you want to talk about, I'm down for. Okay, um, Obsidian, Obsidian became my new favorite, so we could do, yeah, do, let's do, do it. With, let's do Obsidian, all right, for sure. So, how long, how long was the journey? So, this was your Correct. fourth book, right? Obsidian it was number four, okay, for sure. It was number four. How long was the journey from when you got the idea to actually having it? Uh, great question. So I released Obsidian on Juneteenth. Um, I, yeah, I, that oh, was dope. very intentional. Because I think you came out with the power of Yet on Juneteenth, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just about to tell you. Yeah, I, I for my... sure bitch your style. I ain't even gonna front. Like I was like, nah. Like Michael released his on Juneteenth. That's some baller shit. Like I want to release mine on Juneteenth too. Oh, I'll no, give you that no, credit no. for sure. You gave me the idea to release on Juneteenth. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like book idea to execution, I think that um, I started it during quarantine for sure. So I want to say late March, early April is when I started writing Obsidian. Um, because I know I started mm. the process a little before the, um, 30 for 30 challenge. And then oh. I, okay. so yeah, it was probably late March when I started. And then I was finished with the first draft of the book, probably by like June 1st. Uh, mm. then I ordered the copy mm. to the proof copy to kind of edit it. And then it was ready to be released. I think like June 12th. So three months, honestly, from idea to execution. That's phenomenal, man. We got you listening to this right now. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to that person over there. I'm talking to you. You've been slacking saying you're going to release your book, but you haven't released it. Someone's going to take that one first. <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to. They I'm need to, to though. Like, what are you sleeping on? You're talented. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's really dope. So was it – so the whole three-month period, did you have the idea in that late March or you had that idea um, I think I came with the idea in the middle of writing, honestly. Like, I literally was um, okay. just listening to music one day and just ha in a good mood, honestly. And I opened my laptop and just started free writing. And I was trying to write a poem, but I ended up writing kind of like a story, kind of. like an And this is the introduction of the book I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it mm -hmm. kind of started feeling like I was writing a story or like a novel or like a nonfiction or fiction book. So it didn't feel like a poetry book. But I was like, you know what, let's just see where this goes. And as I was writing, I was noticing like, I know I felt it in my body, like the music was moving me to write. I was being inspired by the music I was listening to. Uh, it was a nice day outside. I was surrounded by good people. And I was like, yeah, I just feel this and was in a good mood. So I started writing and it didn't really become Obsidian itself until like maybe a month or so into writing, a month and a half when I was nearing completion of the book. Um I was like, man, like I need to come up with the cover of this book. So I started designing a cover and I came up with the cover concept, but it didn't feel like totally right. Like there was just something missing from it that I felt didn't match the tone of the book. Excuse me, because the um, mm -hmm. the cover was actually going to be purple and yellow. And it was going to be like kind of Laker themed. Oh. And then I was like, nah, mm -hmm. like this needs to be like a little bit more grown. So that's why I went with the black and gold theme. And I was just like doing idea boards, like, and my definition of doing idea board is something that we did in class was um, in Cogside, we took post-its and would just write down like words, ideas, phrases, whatever is coming to brain, just writing all of those on a post-it and then sticking it on a surface. So I would write like just random words on post-its and stick them on the wall and just saw what like themes came up. And mm -hmm. a lot of the themes had to do with like uh, nighttime, darkness, blackness, and so I was looking up like synonyms for the word black because the cover was black too at this point. And one of the words that came up was obsidian. Mm. I was like, Ooh, that sound, that sound nice. Like obsidian, right. like that's mysterious. Right. Like it has a good definition. It fits the theme. And um, I feel like it sparks conversation because one of the reasons I feel like obsidian was in my eyes, the most successful of my poetry books was that air of mystery around it. Like, because before it was like, oh, five mm. south, there's a picture of me on the cover. Peace of mind, there's a baby picture of me. Beneath the surface, it's kind of like, yeah, like underneath the surface, we get it. But Obsidian's like, yo, like, what's Kyler on? Like, 
like like what's happening with obsidian like i'm intrigued and i think that level of intrigue and on top of that like me actually going a lot harder for the marketing of obsidian and just really like making sure it's on the timeline a lot um and like very politely pressing people and i mean that just going back to the support sense like anytime someone be like man like i really want to support you i'm like all right do it like what's with I I that's the part I don't understand. It's like oh, I really want to support you. Like all right, why aren't you? Yeah. And then they don't have an answer to that. I'm like, yeah, you're like you're the problem. Why aren't you? Why aren't you supporting me if you really want to support me? Yeah, that's a fact, man. But yeah, like I don't know. Like once I got the name for it, that's when I really started getting in the groove, and that's when the book really started to take its form. I think I think I wrote like the first half came up with the name and then wrote a hundred extra pages just based off of having the name in play. And then um, I forget which part of the book I made the edit, but after I had the final draft of it, that's when the George Floyd protests were happening. And so I had to make an edit to the book literally like on the spot and just like, man, like, let me put a message in here specifically for black people because man, have we been going through it? (laughs) And Mm-hmm. Uh, something I really appreciate is what uh, my homie Andre, well, our homie Andre, but for the visitors, my homie Andre, um, mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. said like, man, Obsidian is like timeless. Like, I feel like you were not predicting the future, but the themes in Obsidian kind of overline nicely with just the state of the world in um, while we're in quarantine, while we're dealing with this pandemic, like there's dark or not dark, but there's like low moments, there's high moments, there's black stuff, there's personal stuff, there's success stories in there. I feel like if anybody was ever mm-hmm. thinking about getting into poetry, not even to sound like self-centered, but Obsidian is a good place to start because it's a book, like there's mm-hmm. narrative in it. Uh, there's like guidance in it. There's like how to read poems in it. There's reflection in it. And yeah, there's just, it's a journey. I love it. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. And then that, yeah, I just want to shout out to Andre as, re- as well. You know, very real, supportive. Amen um, to that. He's not one of them people we talking about. You know, he's going to support No matter no what. Matter, so. Yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah, but um, what kind of challenges, if any, did you experience during creating Obsidian? Whew. Um, challenges. I think um, – <laughs> the main challenge I was facing with Obsidian was just the determination to finish the book. Just going back to that support aspect. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, like why am I putting this much effort into this book just for the same people to buy the book? And that's when I had the realization is like, nah, it's for these same people. Then like, I need to write this book for the people who are going to read it rather than trying to write it just mm-hmm. to sell the book. And if I do it yeah. with that intent, the book will sell itself just by virtue of the intent put into the book. So I think that was a big hurdle, just mm-hmm. overcoming that kind of self-doubt and continuing. Um, and also just kind of like, I think what I call like a poet paradox of just like, is did I bury some metaphors too deeply? Because I feel like there's sometimes where I'm writing a poem, I'm like, well, I get this because I wrote this, but does anybody get it? And that's where kind of the um, conversation about follow-up and really like critically reading poetry books comes in because it's like, yeah, did you read this poem and think I was actually talking about this or did you get like kind of the, for lack of a better term, like the plot twist in it? Like this isn't about this. This is about something else. And that's where it's important to read and reread books um, just to understand like, what does this mean for you? What are you thinking about today when you read this versus what are you thinking about Mm -hmm. a year from now when you read this? And that's what makes um, 
art books music just so impactful because they're timeless like you you and i have discussed before like we have kids they're gonna be living off the royalties of these books like not like Mm, (laughs) i want my kids to go to school like nah my dad published 20 books three movies a documentary like nah like my dad's ill (laughs) um so yeah just um i forget where i was even going with that but what was i yeah challenges um I think those are the yeah, main challenges. I think I experienced more challenges writing Five South just in terms of like, I that was the first book I was writing. So it was more so like um, how to edit it, what to look for, because I'm so like full of myself sometimes when I'm writing that I'm not proofreading as intently. So there are like um, typos in some of the old books, but that's kind of where Champion comes in too. Cause I was like, yeah, like this will have typos, but with Obsidian, I spent a lot of time because I was like, all right, I've done this three times already. Let me make sure there aren't too many, mm-hmm. like, let me make sure I at least look thoroughly for typos. Uh, let me make sure this is very cohesive. Let me make sure every single word is on the right page that it's supposed to be on. Um, and then the last aspect I'll say that was a challenge was the design of the cover, because um, I'm not sure if the people who read the books know, but I design all the covers for my books using yeah i oh, i don't wow. outsource anything for my books like i do their i write them i edit them i do the cover for them because i taught myself photoshop because my dad does photoshop for his books and his job um so yeah i taught myself how to use photoshop with like youtube videos and honestly just a lot of trial and error like i was very terrible at photoshop until i got good um yeah just designing the cover of a city was difficult because it is a black cover and I wasn't publishing it myself. I was going through lulu.com with, because that's what my dad used and it's pretty easy to publish through Lulu. Um, and I honestly mm-hmm. didn't care that much about the cover to make sure it was the exact like shade of black and things show through the black that they were supposed to show. Like the cover is definitely flawed because the production company wasn't as intent with their production of it as I would have wanted to be, but nobody would be because I'm a perfectionist. Um, so just trying mm-hmm. to make sure that the cover of the book had the message that I wanted it to have was visible how I wanted it to be, but I didn't want to keep sending them money for proof copies just for them to always get it kind of right. So at some point, and this is kind of a good um, nugget of wisdom that I wanted to leave for kind of the um, listeners is that you're going to want to write a perfect book. It will not be a perfect book. It can be a perfect book Mm. if you redefine your success of it being a perfect book. Because for me, as a perfectionist, Mm. my definition of a perfect book was no typos. Cover looks exactly how it's supposed to be. All of these poems are in here. They all make sense. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen for every single person reading the book. But instead, my new definition of success for my books was, all right, what did I want to accomplish with this book? I wanted to accomplish A, B, C, and D. Um, Did I accomplish A, B, C, and D? Yes. Then this is a successful book for me. Rather than trying to only focus mm. on the negatives or what isn't right because I feel like that's um I forget, that's not a growth mindset like talking with once again kind of using some of your words like it's not a growth mindset like if you really want to grow you're going to have to put some stuff out there and see where you need to improve um so with the first three books that was kind of my process of figuring it out but I feel like with Obsidian I had figured it out enough to where I was like all right no matter what mistakes are in this book this book is a complete picture of what i wanted it to be mm. damn you said a poet lot. that's what uh, i do <laughs> yeah man i wanted i wanted to um talk about the fact of obsidian 
was an easier process, I guess, in terms of writing and getting things right versus Five South when you did it for the very first time. So those of y'all listening, if y'all are sleeping, I'm always talking about done. Done is so much. Say that again. They didn't hear you. Say it again. Bruh, done is better than perfect. You know what I'm saying? You got to get out your first book. Nah, because I was going to say, like, if it ain't done, it ain't never going to make money. But if it's at least done, it'll make some money. Exactly, exactly. And you get and and you get better. You see how Kyler, he said, Five South, you know, he went through the flow of doing um the first book or whatever. But once you publish your book, you've learned a skill you can do multiple times. So it became easier over time, at least a process. So um, that's definitely something important to say. And then I liked how you mentioned you define success. Like I, I performed A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. So you have a measure of what it meant for um the book is that um i wanted to ask you is that the same thing in terms of success for you as an author or do you have a different method of um that's a great question i would say that success for me as an author just really depends on my time of life like my definition of success as a poet has changed immensely like since five south since the beginning of this year and i think it's just by virtue of growth and getting older like I'll be honest, when I first was on the journey to write poetry, I was like, nah, like, I just want money to, like, I just want money. I need money. Like, I'm broke. I just graduated college. I need money. Mm -hmm. And that was just the way that I saw other people having success that was around because people in the poetry community in San Diego, they were selling these $10 chapbooks and they were making money off it. Like, they weren't making, like, immense money off it, but they were making money off of it. And I wasn't, but I was a poet. So I was like, you know what? I'm not being the fullest poet that I could be being and not even any shade to Mm. any of the um, poets in San Diego because they're all doing phenomenal work and I have a lot of their chapbooks but I wasn't impressed by like just stapling like papers together and calling it a poetry book I was like nah like I want to come out with like a book because not to like Mm -hmm. not that their books aren't books but because I knew that if I wanted to sell poetry books but also wasn't didn't have the time to go to every open mic and really try to build a following i'ma just make it stand out like nah like my book is 180 pages and it has this unique cover on it and you can tell i spend time on this so nah like it's not free it's 20 dollars. stop asking me for a discount it's 20 if you want a 10 dollar book go mm-hmm. buy a 10 dollar book from someone selling 10 dollars book this book is 20 dollars. um and yeah so going back to me as an author that was kind of the mindset for five south But as I started publishing books and having conversations with people about books, I started to just see like what people were gaining out of reading my poetry. And I was like, wow, like, and I can't share like everything that people say to me, of course, because that's their uh, story and their information. But people have literally texted me like, yo, Mm -hmm. like I was depressed this whole week. So and I read your book and this poem changed like my entire outlook. Or this poem made me feel heard for the mm. first time in my life. Or just reading this was reaffirming today. And that's the power of writing a mm-hmm. book and of just language in general is that anybody listening to this who's really, who, if you're you who is really about it, not these other people listening who are just listening to a podcast while doing other stuff, you who are listening to this because you really have an idea that you're trying to execute, do it. Like, don't try to, my definition of success as an author is don't try to become a celebrity. Don't try to become a rich author first. You can do that by nature of being a good author. And a good author 
mm-hmm. to me is sharing their truth and as close to 100% of their truth as they feel comfortable being in a book form and trusting that they're writing it because they want to share their truth, not to become a celebrity, because that's where I feel like some people fail when it comes to um, writing a poetry book, because they're trying to be a famous poet, which is totally fine. Like, if that's your dream to be a famous poet, just understand also what work famous poets are doing, because famous poets aren't just writing a book and kind of letting that book work, but they're taking training classes, they're traveling to perform, they're taking... Mm -hmm. Uh, pay cuts for jobs because they're trying to really hustle for this poetry stuff. And I commend all those people doing that work. But for people who aren't trying to actually be a famous poet, like, no, like just write a poetry book. It's that simple. And it doesn't sound, or it may not seem that simple, but no, like take out a, if you want to do pen and paper, if you want to do a laptop, your phone, like start writing poems. And that's, and this gets Mm -hmm. to um, the other part of my definition of success as an author is, as you know, I started doing some blogs on my website just to kind of give free game to people as opposed to them having to buy the books. But as probably no surprise to you, people don't want to read the free blogs. So I'm like, all right, if you don't want to read the free blogs, then I'm going to just keep writing books that cost money because I'm spending time to do this. And so that's where people got to understand like valuing themselves and loving themselves enough to understand that your words are valuable. uh, Your experiences are valuable any poem that you write is going to be a poem that no one else can write because no one else has had your experiences. And what I've learned as an author and as a poet is no matter how like, no matter how like shrouded your vision might be, there's someone who will sincerely appreciate you taking the time to do that poem. And I found that a lot this, even today, like then this is completely unplanned because um, I was talking to one of my mentors, um, about what was that, what were you talking about? We we're talking about my transition to this new job. And I was just talking to him because I wanted to get his knowledge about the job because he used to have the job position. And at the end of the conversation, he was like, all right, before I let you go, I just wanted to let you know that I read Obsidian and I've never really been into reading poetry books, but this one was different. And it taught me a lot about myself. And I'm like, wow, like I knew you had the book, but I had no idea what the book meant because you never said anything about it. But that was the first time that we had had the time to really talk that in depth and he was just talking about what the book Mm -hmm. meant for him. And that's where um, you said you're reading champion. One of the things that I kind of highlighted in the blog that I wrote before I came out with champion was that one of my favorite metaphors is that time is an arrow. And um, what that Mm -hmm. means for me is that if you are to fire an arrow off, you firing the arrow is done, but the arrow has to land somewhere. And that's what right book is is uh, like yo like you're writing this book yeah. or for me like i wrote obsidian in june 2020 but people are going to be reading obsidian five years from now like wow like i need to read this today and that's how timeless a book is it's mm-hmm. like yeah like put this good energy put these words into motion you might not reap every single benefit from the book like maybe the first book you sell won't uh make you a famous poet but maybe the 10th book you write will and that's the mentality people need to have because that first book might have saved somebody's mm. life just by reading it. Um, the second book might have saved somebody's life by just giving them a different perspective. The third book might have saved somebody's life by just rebuilding a relationship with them. Like, I honestly feel like that's the power of books because there's people that I haven't talked to in years that I've bought my poetry books and they'll text me randomly like, man, like I'm reading your poem and I didn't know you were this good. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know I was this 
Everybody knew I was this good. You just didn't buy the book yet. Like, oh no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but like, no, nah, but honestly, like, there's so much power in writing a book. I think that the most important thing that I would say to anybody who's trying to execute that book idea is kind of what you said. Like, it's so simple, but you honestly just have to do it. And then focus on what comes after that. Like focus on selling the book after you make the book because you can't sell a book that you don't have. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Execution is really, really important. And I guess I'll transition into execution. So I like to say that people are addicted to overthinking and are allergic to execution. So obviously you posted, um, you published five books so you're not unfamiliar to execution um what is something that you wished all aspiring authors knew what do i wish all aspiring authors knew um and it's funny because the answer to that question is also on the cover of my champion book um because the book and this is a gem for only the people listening to this podcast and for Michael Benjamin, because anybody who ain't tuned in, they losing. Um, Cause the book is called, the ebook is called champion for what it's worth, but it's really called the power within inspired by the power of yet as well. Um, and that, if you look at the cover of the book, not the actual like cover of the PDF, but the actual like thumbnail on the website and the um, image I put on Instagram, it says the power within on my chest. It's just transparent. Um, because that's the part that I realized in writing champion is like, yeah, like I could have written that book at 15 and started making money at 15. If I had really trusted myself and believed and loved myself enough to really rise through what I was dealing with and just come out with that book. But on top of that, I could have also done it if people would have like pumped my head up more like, nah, like you're ill at this, write a book. But that's where like, I feel like your role in this is really important too people need to be like, nah, like motivating people. Like, no, you can do this. You can do this. It's not about money. Because like you said, like, this is a free podcast for people to listen to. Um, If you really Mm -hmm. take an hour out of your day to just learn something new and just make time for yourself. And that's where I feel like the power within is important because um, some people like, oh, like you be up all the time at like six o'clock in the morning. I could never do that. I'm like, all right, well, you'll never have five books. (laughs) like if you can't wake up early to write then maybe you don't actually need five books because the real like hardcore artists and writers they're writing like up until midnight waking up at four continuing to write like writing is a hustle it's not just about um putting words on paper if you really want to become a in my opinion a very strong author you need to look within yourself and really Mm -hmm. unpack some things you need to unpack and that's an uncomfortable conversation for some people uh, but most importantly, and kind of, and you know this, but I don't want to spoil Obsidian for everybody, but you got to love yourself. Like at the end of the day, you have to have a lot of love for yourself um, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it all yeah. comes down to that. <laughs> Everything, you can do any poetry book, but that's the theme of like any book you're going to write. You have to love yourself. The whole journey from cover until the mm-hmm. end, like that's part of the book. But in order to be an author, you have to love yourself as an author and validate and value yourself as an author to be like, no, like I have a right to share my words and share my knowledge. And the way I was looking at this, if you go on Amazon right now and pull up the best selling books on Amazon, no offense to them authors, but like my book's better. 
Hey, man, I feel you. Like, my book's better than like, you. I look, I put an I'm Instagram post. One of the number one selling books on Amazon was a cookbook. I can, I can make a cookbook and I'm black. I'll cook better. Like, like, Facts. but that's where capitalism at play because not everyone has access to have the marketing to put all their stuff on Amazon. But that's where like people are trying to be mm-hmm. best selling authors versus becoming an author. And you can't be a best selling author until mm-hmm. you really look in within yourself and see how you, you listening to this, not the person next to you, not your cousin, not your mama, not Michael, because me and him already have books. You got to look within yourself and really like unpack, like, do you want to write a book? If the answer is yes, start writing the book. If the answer isn't yes, mm-hmm. then you don't want to write a book. You want to get money. And if you want to get money, start doing stuff that people who um, get money do, like start investing in stocks, start getting rid of debt. Like you can't be Best. trying to be rich, but also be like locked down in debt. Like you won't be rich if you keep paying the government all this money. You won't be rich if you keep spending $80 mm-hmm. a week on Amazon for this stuff. Like if you want to be rich, it's a lot. And being rich is a lot more complicated than this. And I don't want no like comments like, oh, like, no, nah, like I get all that. Like I'm black yeah. too, y'all. I'm not. Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone yeah, listening yeah. to this, I want to end this with saying, I am not. <laughs> I am not rich. Um, But if for those of y'all who want to be rich, if that's your goal, you got to start doing stuff that's going to get you rich. Otherwise, if you want to be an author, just write a book. You don't have to make it perfect. As Michael said, like done is better than perfect. Like do it if you want advice on how to do it you're already doing part of it by listening to this podcast uh if you want to support my mm-hmm. stuff you can you can support my stuff and read my books to see my journey and that's kind of the last i know i've given like mm-hmm. 17 pieces of advice and this one piece of advice uh um, hey you it. told me before i got on this podcast to be transparent and send gems and i'm trying to drop all yes, the gems sir. that i can think of right now um yes sir we love it. yeah like just just do it like it's it really comes down to that like i'm a perfectionist i'm stubborn um i have self-doubt like i didn't think people were going to like my poems but they do and you really just got to pull out of all of those like self-doubt moments as best as you can and just start the process like i was having this conversation with andre too like i feel like too often people try to get from zero to 100 like starting to become not an author to having a book Instead of going zero to hundred, go zero to one first, go one to two, go two to three. Right. And at some point you might be able to jump to 10, but if you take it in increments versus trying to like get all the way first, that's where most of the success will come in my eyes. Oh, and that's, that's the piece I was missing I too. That. Read, like it might sound so trivial, but if you want to be an author, read books. You can't be an author if you don't know like literature, like I read a lot of books I watch, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos just to hear what people are saying and what types of things people are dealing with, because that's how you start to um, elevate your um, writing styles to fit a wider audience. You have to make sure that your writings are applicable to that wider audience you're trying to reach because I'm writing these books as a black Mm -hmm. male, but I don't just want black men to buy these books. I want to have experiences that people can relate to besides being a black male but with the emphasis on black people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And if you're listening to the podcast at this uh, moment, if you made it this far, first of all, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. But I got an action item for you. The action item I have for you listening to this is to go and purchase Kyler's book. I'll have I'll have um, a link in um, the show notes. But 
I say to purchase it, purchase Obsidian specifically. I say to purchase Obsidian because Obsidian helped me dive into myself deeper, helped me with, um, you know, the whole self-love. And then as a byproduct of that, I got motivated to write more. So if you're somebody that's dealing with um, writer's block or whatever, if you're just scared of the whole process, I would just say definitely buy and read Obsidian. <laughs> Read it. Please don't just, don't just let it sit on it. your bookshelf. Actually, That's yeah, because it ain't, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you get some money and all that, but it's about the impact. So you want to read the book. So take a moment. You can pause the episode, go purchase Obsidian, look in the show notes. I'll have the link over there. All right. But um, I guess, what should I say? I, what do you think is a common misconception people have? That holds them back from actually executing. Great question. Uh, your t- specific to writing up because there's a lot of stuff people be having that holding back from executing other stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, 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 writing a book, I think the biggest thing that holds most people back is that idea that there's a right way to write a book, um, especially with something mm-hmm. like a poetry book. Because as I mentioned, like Five South, I feel Five South and uh, Beneath the Surface are more of a standard poetry book, whereas Peace of Mind, Obsidian, and Champion are kind of a more abstract take on a poetry book i think just because i didn't stick to just poems and that's kind of poetry within itself Mm -hmm. like yes there is structure to what makes a poem a poem but i already spent time in my life understanding that so if you're trying to write a poetry book watch some youtube videos about the history of poetry or watch some videos on how to write a poem or i mean i dropped some free knowledge on my page uh my instagram is at the fourth kyler t-h-e-f-o-u-r-t-h-k-y-l-e-r but it'll also be in the um, description of this episode or the promo for the episode um but yeah i wrote a blog post about kind of that thought process of how i became good at writing poetry like it's honestly just practice practice makes perfect and i think that Mm. when people are so caught up in trying to write a specific type of book versus writing the book that they want to write i think that's what holds most people back because honestly Anybody listening to this podcast, and you're probably listening to this podcast because you have a book idea that you need to execute, focus on the E. You already have the B-I. <laughs> like, execute. Like, mm. you need to execute mm. that. Like, you have an idea for a book. Because we're in 2020. You know how many books have been written across time? Like, yeah, you're going to write a book that someone else might have, like, written something similar, but it's not your book. It's not your experiences. And I think that's the thing I had to get out of was trying to write a book that fit the poetry book niche or on the opposite side of the spectrum, trying to write a book that wasn't like any other book. Just write the book that comes out of like your pen or comes out of your notes and make sure that it's your words. Like make sure it's not what someone else wants to hear. Make sure it's what you want to write first and for. Mm. Mm, Definitely. Because it's definitely going to be people that don't resonate with your book but that to me i love that because that just means that you took a stance in terms of what you were talking about and then going back to what you said about um practice i think that is really key i know we got listeners from i know we got some people in germany we got some people in some weird or not weird <laughs> no disrespect some different places uh germany russia all them places um i've also been seeing some you know international sales for the power of yes so i appreciate y'all listening um uh, Kyler has books on Amazon, so make sure you go purchase that on Amazon because um, I don't know if he's going to ship international. But um, in terms of practice, I think it's important because I want y'all listening to treat it like something that you like. Like, like, like let's say you love playing video games. You love 
uh, playing basketball. Obviously, you do that so consistently. So apply it to the same thing when it comes to writing. And really, you know, you'll be thanking yourself later. I'm just curious, do you, um, because you said that with Obsidian, it just, like, you just wrote it and it was just like that. Do you ever outline or it's always off the top? Um, Great question. For poetry books, I don't fully outline because, um, or at least not physically, I think mentally I outline, I I think a lot. so I feel like I look at, because I have so many poems, I have, I kind of look through the poems first and then get an idea of what types of poems I would want to include in the book. So kind of giving the book a theme first and then letting the poems naturally come together. Like I write the book from cover to cover rather than trying to outline it first because the times where I tried to write with the outline, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm way too stubborn to write with the outline. Like I want to think outside of the box. So um i would like pick a theme or a general idea or sometimes with obsidian it was just like yeah i'm listening to this song uh what types of poems come to mind when i listen to this song or what types of words come to mind and that's what makes obsidian so unique because that book was completely guided by the songs that i was listening to at the time i was writing them so some of that led to creation of new poems some of that led to me pulling up poems from my 30 for 30 but the actual like structure of the book was largely made based off of the natural like rhythm of the songs I was listening to. And I was just shuffling through my iPod, mm. honestly. I would like start listening to music. And then the moment that a song just started playing that I really vibed with, I'm like, oh no, nah, like I need to write to this one. Like this, this is it, this is it. This is what I need to write to. I love that, I love that. That's definitely a gem. That's a bar for execution. Some of y'all right now that are writing in silence you need to create a music playlist music does something to the brain i actually write with the music as well but um writing with the music is very very key so i love that you shared that gem uh i hope y'all been taking notes i've been having notes here myself um do, oh, do all the time but um i forget who it is so i i apologize if you're listening to this podcast and you're like man i told you that but somebody told me that they didn't believe in writer's block uh it wasn't you right Mm. all Uh, right maybe it was you but uh somebody told me that they didn't believe in writer's block and so um i don't know just hearing that was like all right well and this just goes back to me being a stubborn person because i was like all right well let me just never get writer's block again so um i just kind anytime i think i have writer's block i change something about my environment and i think that's a gem that I, I've never said that line out loud, but it is very true. Every time I get writer's block, I change my environment. So if I'm sitting in bed and I can't write a poem, I go outside. If I'm outside and I can't write a poem, I go inside. If I'm listening to a song and I can't write a poem, I change the song. If I'm trying to write. And that's where it's really important to um, plan out things. Like I'm not just trying to force a poem out when I'm writing poetry, but I let it naturally come. And this is... um. I don't know if I said this in any of the books, but when I was writing Five South, a lot of the poems themselves, the idea for the poem came while I was driving to UC San Diego from LA. Like I would just be driving, listening to oh, music wow. and I'll just get like a metaphor or a line. I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's some heat. Like I need to write a poem about that. And so this word technology is really important too. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, Hey Google, uh, set a note for it. And Google just heard me say that because we live in a capitalist society. <laughs> Um, but like set a reminder good, to uh, write a poem about blah blah blah, 
and just remind me when I get to San Diego, because that's mm-hmm. the um, that's kind of the theme of the champion book is like, yo, like y'all are already authors. Y'all are already poets. Y'all are already rappers. Y'all are already y'all are already all of these mm-hmm. things already within you. You just have to like really want to mm. write it like people who want to be a rapper. They're they're rapping with their friends like, yeah, they're already rapping. They're freestyling. It's fun to them. It's part of their life. It's their story that they have to tell. For me, like, yeah, like I can write a poem about anything at the end of the day if given enough time. That's why when he said to come out with the book on November 1st, I was like, all right, bet. Like, what can I do in this short amount of time? Mm. I was like, nah, like, whatever you want. You're a poet. Like, I am a championship level poet. I root for the champion Lakers. I come from a city of champions. Like, the Dodgers won a championship. I'm a champion too, bro. Mm. Let's go. Um, and I think that's the type of mentality mm-hmm. that's easy to talk about having um but what people need to understand is easy even easier to fake like that fake it till you make it mentality stop faking like being a yeah. loser and start faking being a champion and see what work so that's where it's like mm. yeah like i would just think of an idea and then when i get back to san diego like just write based off of that idea because that goes back to done is better than perfect like it's definitely never the exact poem i was thinking about while driving but I don't want to pull over on the freeway to write a poem every time I think of a poem. So I'll either use my voice recorder to record the poem if I have a full idea or just hold on to the concept or what I was listening to uh, when I thought of the idea. Cause even if it's just like, Oh, I was listening to, I don't know, WAP by Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B. And I thought of this poem when I get back to San Diego, now I'm going to listen to that song and just write while I'm listening to that song, because there's something that I listened to in that song that caused me to think that, or it could be something else in my environment. So mm-hmm. that's where changing your environment is important. And just, um, yeah, just creating those environments that cause you to thrive. And this is another plug to Amin Ra. We, Camry and I had him do a event at the Black Resource Center at UCSD. And it was called Love Yours. And he came and mm-hmm. had everyone in the program. It was a self-care program. And if y'all are listening, you might want to take out a pen pad and write this down as an activity for you to do. Um, but yeah, make a list of all the things that create positive or productive environments for you. And then in that list, circle the things mm. that you can control and focus on those things. Like if creating a productive environment for you is having a clean room, a good meal and a shower, is your room clean? Did you eat? Did you take a shower? If not, then do those things and see if it creates you in a more productive environment. If the things that you can't control redefine success for those things, especially during a time like this, like maybe you get inspiration from certain people that you're usually around, call those people. Maybe you can't be physically with them, but you can at least hear their voice or hear what they're up to. Uh, Andre and I talk like at least mm-hmm. two or three times a week just to catch up. It's like, I haven't seen Andre that much while we're in a pandemic, of course, but like we talk so frequently, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like he's not a part of my life. And that's the part that, um, with connections to people if that's what's going to get you to be productive like if you're if your excuse is that you can't write a book because of this pandemic and you're not around people to get inspired start finding other people to get inspired by watch youtube videos listen to people's music read books like there's a lot of ways to change your environment in ways that you can control you just have to focus on what you actually can control versus what you can't control that's a fact bro hey bro (laughs) I'm gonna be transparent with you. I don't even know if we should drop this episode because that that bar about the environment, changing your environment 
for um writer's block and just being in a more productive environment <laughs> like that one was just next level i might i might have to hey you I might have, have to, to do a uh, extended edition you know what i'm saying like hey bro that's what i'm saying bro if you listening to the podcast right if you got you know um this far or whatever then i mean you definitely blessed i hope you have some notes i got my notes over here and um, i'm definitely gonna use that one next time i get a writer's block because that one was a that one is definitely I learned from the best motivational speaker on um, IG, Michael O. Benjamin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. (laughs) But uh, I wanted to transition. We're going to close out the episode pretty soon. So I just wanted to know, like, what's next for you? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? years. Man, I'll be completely honest with you, bro. Like, I'm riding that high from the Lakers winning the championship so hard. Then the the Dodgers had the audacity to win the championship, too. Like, (laughs) I could be anything oh, yeah. in five years. You tell me what to be, I'll be it. Um, but on a real note, like sure. something that I've been working on recently, and this is news to people who probably haven't been following um, just what I've been putting on like my Instagram story, but I've been working on like animation and screenwriting um, just because mm-hmm. kind of the same thing with like that growth mindset financially. I've been watching a lot of movies and TV shows during quarantine and like, you know what? I'm tired of paying Netflix to show me this trash. They don't even have the movies that I want to watch. Let me yeah. just make a movie. So in terms of this ain't book idea to execution, but kind of the ITE part of it, idea to execution. I found some screenwriting software yeah. and got a student discount on it that saved me $150. Uh, I was watching YouTube videos about this mm. black um, screenwriter and he was t- breaking down screenplays and movies. And he recommended a book. So I bought that book and started reading the book. Like it's out there if you have the financial Mm. means to do some of it. But I think that's where um, I've learning a lot this year, just how to think financially differently. Because I was like, dang, like I didn't go to film school. But then I was like, you know what? So what if I didn't go to film school? I can write a screenwriter. I'm a writer. (laughs) So five years from now, um, I might be a famous YouTube star. I might have a movie in Hollywood with Jordan Peele. Like, Mm. who knows but i will mm. for sure like you you can sh- like if y'all want to follow up on me five years in november 20 2025 i will have at least an animated series with at least a few seasons mm. on it like the animated series is coming in april for those of y'all who listen in but that's kind of something i learned in my mba classes about smart goals um so just setting a smart goal Probably. for mine with the uh, animated series i'll at least have that first season ready to jump by april but five years from now, I'll have a successful mm-hmm. animated series, probably at least three to four screenplays, um, more poetry books, maybe an autobiography. That's kind of the personal side of it. But um, professionally, I'll still be at UC San Diego. I'll be finished with my MBA, maybe onto a PhD. The sky's the limit. I don't know. This is the wrong time to ask me five years from now. Like, I think I could be whatever the hell I want. <laughs> Yes, sir. You definitely can. I I like making um the prediction because I like to see where people would be. Those of y'all that listened to um the interview with Latasha, I enjoyed asking her the question because she was talking about something I didn't know. Um, because we we talk pretty frequently. Uh, she was talking about you know having her own school, um, for black children, and I thought that was really dope. So it's you know the sky's the limit for sure. So yeah, you know those of y'all listening, if you're listening in 2025. And you know, uh, check out all the check them out. That Kyler's doing. Um, yeah, man. So, 
All right, so the last thing we're going to do is the bite round. I'm just going to ask you, like, maybe um, a series of questions. I think, like, four or five questions. Um, these these are actually structured. So just answer off the top of your head really quickly. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> Ain't no pressure. It don't got to be quickly. It's whatever. I yeah, just like to say that to, you know, oh, bring it up. Yeah, yeah, all right. So number one, what do you do for fun when you're not writing, killing it, publishing? Um. Playing basketball, watching YouTube videos. I love watching movies, um, hanging out and talking with my partner, with my friends. Like, I'm pretty multifaceted, but definitely something dealing with basketball or movies. Those are my two big passions outside of writing. Mm, okay, cool, 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 cool. What's your favorite book? Obsidian, because it's the best book out there. Oh, that's what I was looking for. Okay. That was easy. Why is it your book? Um, <laughs> you said why is my favorite book, right? Yeah, why is it your favorite Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you published five, so why is it's yeah, just so a hundred percent me. Like, even when I showed it to my partner, like she was talking about how um yeah, she was like, Yeah, this is like as transparent of a version of you that I think you've written. And I agree with that because it's not just poems. It's like literally my exact thoughts in the moment I was writing it leading up into the poems. It's the music that I was listening to. Um, it's the longest book that I've written. I spent the most intentional work with that book. Um, people ain't even fully unpacked all that's on the cover of the book and what it all means. Like obscene oh, is yeah. a gem. Like, and here's, and here's the, uh, kind of exclusive news and this is why you should tune into michael benjamin stuff because he get the exclusives um if you look at the sure. back cover of obsidian it says dig deeper on there so that's a gem mm. if you have obsidian like look for how it says dig deeper and it's like pretty obvious if you really like taking the time to critically look at the back cover of it but dig deeper is the theme of obsidian and so I think like just because of all that intention, that's that's why it's my favorite, because I think it's just it's a masterpiece. And, and that's not even like I love I would love to read Obsidian and I know people love reading it. Yes, sir. I'm looking at it right now. I see determined, solid, excellence, all that. Yeah, I really I really liked um, the cover because gold is like my favorite color, too. So it really stuck out to me. Like when you see it, it sticks. For those of y'all listening, when you see it, it really like sticks out. So. You know, make sure you go get that. All right. So uh, best piece of advice you've ever received. Best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, I've received a lot of good advice in my life, man. Um, I think just be myself. Like, I think that's the what boils down to most of the advice I'm thinking about is just like be yourself mm -hmm. but what i would add to that for the listeners i know this ain't about the listeners necessarily right now but it's always about them um understand what be yourself means first and then be yourself because i feel like it's very easy to tell people to be themselves but if people are already in a position where they're not really loving themselves or affirming themselves then they may not be ready to be themselves and i find myself that was a position i was at in my life where people were telling oh just be yourself and it'll work out like yeah but like how much of myself can i be as a black male in la jolla at ucsd when i just learned really what racism and institutional racism and sexism like there's a lot that i'm learning here so like i felt mm -hmm. like at, there was times in college mm -hmm. where i wanted to right. be more of myself 
but at the same time, I was learning so much about like male privilege. I was learning about gender, sexuality, where I wasn't trying to like, mm-hmm. I didn't want me being myself to cause any harm because I was just learning about like, hell, white males have been causing harm being themselves across time. Why would I listen to them? Um, so mm-hmm. be yourself, but mm-hmm. be cognizant of what being yourself means so that you're not being yourself at the detriment of other people. So I think that's the advice I start to give myself. Mm. That's deduced from the best advice that I've gotten from people, which are uh, multiple variations of just being yourself. Okay, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. What habit can you attribute to your success as a published author? Of what habit? Um, stubbornness disguised as like determination. Like I... Every single book I come out with is a bet on myself. Like, nah, like you're going to write this book. And no one, even before like I announced the book, like, no, I'm committing to writing this book. And I think that just um, Mm -hmm. having dedication to things in short term helps with being able to dedicate to things in long term. So if I know that I can write Champion in a few days, I can write Obsidian in a few months, like, why can't I take over the world? Like, not literally take over the world, but put myself to my mind why can't I write a screenplay I wrote five poetry books I can just Mm -hmm. write a screenplay I just need to write it as a screenplay um so yeah that just stubbornness Mm -hmm. and determination to see my final product from that idea to execution like I think that was the best habit for me um and also staying true to who I am I think um that plays a role in the the determination and the stubbornness but also being an early bird, there's so many times where I just be riding at 630 in the morning and people like, dang, you've been up since six. What you been doing? Shit, working. <laughs> like working on me. Like, oh, I can never do that. Cool. You're never going to be me, bro. It's cool. You don't have to be me. And for some people, that's staying up late at night. And I can't do that because in college, I learned just about enough what I need to know about sleep and how that impacts the brain. Like, nah, my brain needs to sleep at night. But if I'm awake in the morning, I can work. Um, so I think those types of habits yeah. and like, I was reading this, like some of my friends are telling me like, man, like you really like mean everything you say. I'm like, bro, why don't you, <laughs> why don't y'all mean everything you say? Mm. Like when people are like, oh, we about to go to this party. Cool. I'm about to stay here and watch the Laker game. Why do you think I'm gonna do anything else besides watch this Laker game? I told you the most important thing for me today is to watch mm. this game. So if I said that I'm watching the game, I don't want to go to the party. Oh, it's going to be fun. Cool. I'm watching the game, bro. I I said that and I meant it. And I think that's, um, people see that as confidence, but to me, it's literally just like, nah, like I'm doing me, but like find that confidence in yourself. That's kind of that habit that I think has helped me to get to where I am. Mm. That's a dope, man. Okay. And the last question probably the most important question if you could change one thing about the black community you're gonna drop the heat at the end of the episode like that um (laughs) you said one thing one thing let's just go on (laughs) i'm the one thing i'm gonna label it as um perspective i guess um Dang, that's that's a good question. One, because well, the answer that initially came to mind is I wouldn't change anything about like the black community. Like I honestly feel like I, if I had the option of being black, I'd choose it every time over because there's power to blackness. But just in terms of inner community, I think that um, 
we got to let go of our pride sometimes. I think that sometimes our pride keeps us from helping others. And we quote like a lot of black history leaders, we read their books in class, but we don't really digest like the words that they be saying, like the words that we repeat all the time. And one of the biggest ones that I've come to like really analyze and have it be a part of my life is that whole like lift as we climb. Like everybody knows that, but people keep lifting or people keep climbing, but they don't keep lifting. Like you have to lift as you climb. And I feel like pride sometimes mm-hmm. get in the way of that to where it's like, man, like I mm-hmm. want to be the person to do this versus being one of the person that does this or helping somebody else do this. And where that has played a role in my life, something mm-hmm. that I had been wanting to do is start my own podcast. But I know so many people that have their own podcast. Mm-hmm. And I know like just how passionate they are about their podcast. Like, nah, like let me instead like offer to support their podcast. And then we I can have like I'm on a podcast right now. Like we're talking like this. I'm me and my homegirl Tiff, we're thinking yeah. about doing stuff about the Lakers. Um, my homie Jeff, he has a melanin theory podcast. Like, nah, like mm-hmm. let me help people with their visions because and I don't know how to say this without mm-hmm. sounding like kind of cocky. So I'm gonna just say it anyway. But if I start my own podcast, I'm going hard with it it's going to have views. Like I'm, I'm doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do it, but I'd rather put that much energy into making someone else's podcast that much better. Like if I can publicize someone else's podcast, if I can mm. uh, be a guest on someone's podcast and then share that episode with my followers, like lifting as we climb. So I'm focusing on the poetry mm-hmm. part because not a lot of people are doing the poetry stuff and it turns to my close friend circle. But now I'm on your podcast talking about poetry. Uh, my homie Jeff, I be talking about my book on with him on his podcast. Um, the homie Camille doing brunches. Mm. And like I already talked to her about potentially talking about my book on her podcast. And like, yeah, it serves me for the publicity of the book. Mm. But it's also serving the podcast. It's serving our, like, I feel like this conversation was mutually beneficial for us, but also for the listeners. Like, I learned a lot Definitely. just listening yes. from you talk. Um yes. And honestly, this is another piece of advice mm-hmm. for the listeners. Listen to what the hell y'all be saying. Like, I dropped some gems in this podcast that I've never said in my life. I'm going to listen to this podcast again and be like, dang, you said that. Why aren't you doing it? And that's kind of like the check yourself part of it. And yeah, um, it, it all goes back to that pride thing. Like, if you want to talk about it, be about it. Don't just talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. And then uh, just for transparency, too, when I started the idea of I'm going to be interviewing people, part of it was me knowing that I know some dope individuals and I know that they're going to drop some gems and then I would love to, you know, learn from them. So I've, this is my second interview. Um, I had Latasha and now I have um, you and I have um, more later on. And I've chosen a select number of people, select number of published authors I know that are really gonna bring the heat some people have asked me to be on a podcast and i'm just <laughs> like let me ask you you know what i'm saying so um yeah that's kind of where i stand with it but um if you're listening to this and you reached out to me about it um i mean you know it is what it is but um <laughs> all right so why don't you give us a final nugget final nugget to buy it all man y'all greedy i even gave y'all a 20 piece mcnugget meal um, but for the 21 piece Wrong McNugget, saying, <laughs> love yourself, man. Like it, it really comes down to that. I feel like we're dealing in a time where people are separated from each other. Uh, people are dying every day because of the coronavirus at this time. Those of y'all re- hearing this in the future, I hope we ain't still in deal with the, the mm. damn coronavirus then. But um, 
Yeah, just love yourself. Yeah. Like that's been the biggest part to this like journey for me with my authorship is like understanding just how dope I am as a person, but also feeding that back into people so they can understand how dope they are as people. If anybody ever comes to me with an idea, I make sure that I let them know that that idea is dope and it's brilliant that they came up with that idea and then help mm-hmm. them constructively like work on that idea together or just give them some wisdom if they want it to improve that idea or maybe the idea is already great and they should improve it but I just feel like I've encountered so many people in my life who they were passionate about something but nobody fed into them that they can do it nobody fed into them personally financially and mm-hmm. so I think that the biggest step in that first part is loving yourself uh that was the biggest thing for me after writing Obsidian was like nah mm-hmm. like like nah like I'm dope bro <laughs> like I am dope so let me stop acting like mm-hmm. I'm not a dope poet and really go mm-hmm. in on this book. Let me stop acting like I'm not a dope poet and drop champion. Mm-hmm. Let me stop acting like I am didn't just graduate from UCSD, mm-hmm. didn't just get into a master's program. Like, nah, like I'm ill at this. Like, especially, mm-hmm. especially these mm-hmm. college students. This is the last, this is a 22 piece nugget. The last nugget I'm gonna drop. I worked for UC San Diego undergraduate admissions office. I read over the time of my two and a half years there, mm-hmm. probably like 10,000 applications if we keeping it a buck. Um, mm. Scrubs don't get into UCSD. Like y'all had to work so hard to get through the admissions process, the SAT, ACT, high school, hell, racism. Like there's a lot that, especially the black UCSD students and alum listen to this. There's so much that y'all had to do to get to UCSD. There's even, we don't even got to talk about what the hell we had to do to graduate from UCSD. Mm. Everything else is easy. Mm. We're already brilliant. We've already proven it to so many people. The people we really need to prove it to now is ourselves. Like, and I think the coronavirus has really brought that to light because Mm. For some people, all they got is them in their house. I'm with my, I'm blessed to be able to be with my partner right now, but I'm away from my family. I'm away from my friends. And so sometimes you got to be your own light. And if you can't be your own light, that's when friends is important. That's when community is important. That's when art is important. Like, let's say that you've been feeling like really lonely during quarantine. Like, well, one selfish plug because um, the homie Jeff, his podcast is Melanin Theory and he just dropped the episode on loneliness on Spotify. So if y'all want to check out, yeah, melanin underscore theory, I mm, think on podcasts or on, I think it's like Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, but melanin theory, um, Jeffy dropping some knowledge and he, today the topic was loneliness. But the reason I brought that up is start listening to podcasts, start reading, watch a new movie, listen to music. Uh, one of the things that I talked about on my blog is creating a champion playlist, essentially, which is uh, and this is a challenge, the last challenge mm-hmm. and the thing is nugget 24 now for Kobe. Um, and this we gotta end on this. My mouth getting dry and shit. I gotta get closer to the microphone. Um, but the last nugget that I would (laughs) drop there, dang, I just lost it. What was I saying? Oh yeah, it's the clutch bucket. You got a clutch. Um, dang. Oh yeah, the champion playlist is um. Think of like right now, without listening to the songs, just think of ten songs that um align with who you used to be how you used to feel 10 songs that overlap or overlap with how you feel today and 10 songs that overlap with how you want to feel in the future. Don't listen to the songs yet, but just write down a total of 30 songs, 10, 10 and 10 
um, create them on a playlist and then set time in the future to listen to that playlist and just see where your mind goes as you're writing. Because that's something I did when I wrote Champion, which is start listening to songs that overshadowed or um, there were metaphors or like songs of like how I used to feel when I was in a more depressed state how I feel today, like after being in 2020, but also like, I'm trying to be that guy, like five, 10, five days from now, not even five years from now, I'm trying to be that guy in five days. So I need to listen to music that's going to feed that into Mm -hmm. me. So once you have that championship playlist, that's something you can listen to when you need to feel a certain way. And this is all tied into that feeling of loneliness. Start listening to music that makes you feel like heard or like that you with somebody like, read a book that makes you feel like somebody hears you, like try to create, going back to like creating those environments, try to find out how you can re- can create those environments based on where you are today. That's Nugget 24 for the Black Mamba, mm-hmm. Kobe Bean Bryant, rest in peace. Rest in peace, man. Hey man, I think he'd be proud of this episode. Thank man. you for having me. Thank you me. so much for your time. All the gems. All the gems you dropped, man. I know people. I know people are gonna get benefit from this. Um, huge benefit from this. I will be listening to the episode in its entirety if you're listening to this. But on a final note, um, you mentioned it earlier. But how can we get in contact with you? Let us know. Yeah, everything. I'm also plugging in the notes. Um, so the VIP Instagram yeah, for those of y'all who listen to this podcast is at the fourth Kyler T H E F O U R T H K Y L E R on IG. Uh, I do have a public Instagram too. That's kind of like the brand, the obsidian poet at T H E O B S I D I A N P O E T. Um, had to get off the t- public Twitter just because I got a new job and I'm trying to make sure that, I'm able to separate my personal Twitter life from my professional Twitter life. So I can't give out that gem. That's for the VIPs only, but the IG, that's the public persona. Okay. All righty. Um, so it's not Kyle. It's not. Nathan. I didn't wrote so many damn like... poems about my name not <laughs> no, being Kyle, Nathan, or Tyler. <laughs> it is the fourth Kyler. Kyler, Leon, mm-hmm. Nathan, the fourth. Remember it now. Get my autograph now because it's going to cost a million dollars in 2030. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, we'll probably have you again on a podcast um, just to update things with you. But with that being said, I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Peace. Y'all have a blessed. Thanks so much for listening to the Book Idea to Execution podcast. I hope you got something you could bite on. You know what I'm saying? If you love this episode, please share it, subscribe, and, you know, leave a review. Follow us on IG at Book Idea to Execution and tag me on my personal IG at Michael Benjamin, M-I-C-H-O, Benjamin, because I keep it 100. And let me know you're listening. Sharing is caring. Have a blessed one.